still Kirby. Lovely check. Kirby! Hello and welcome back to episode 6 of season 2, yep, you heard me, season 2, of the Fran Kirby Fight Club, your one-stop listen to all things Chelsea FC women's and of course the main woman, that's Fran Kirby. Now I'm Mariam Naz, I work with Squawker, uh, I do the women's football content and sometimes also podcast with them and I'm joined once again this week by Andre. Andre, how's it going? I'm doing good. I'm Andre Carlisle. I do uh, too many things, actually. <laughs> I was going to try and like pick one, and then I was like, I'm going to leave something out. So, But whatever. I, I do things. Uh, and yeah, I'm doing fine. I'm a little tired. Uh, work has been unnecessarily um, annoyingly busy, but uh, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, you just got, got back from Peru, and they're just throwing you right back into the deep end. They really have. They're like, hey, we're glad you're back. Here you go. And I was like, thanks, guys. I here's, here's a it. ton of work. Plus yeah. watch all these games. Plus, plus watch Chelsea <laughs> absolutely become a crazy beast that draws 3-3 with Wolfsburg, but then wins 2-0 with Leicester City. Deal with all of that, plus the NWSL and, and, and you know, just function as a human being. <laughs> yeah, I was getting ready to say, it's it's like it normally, you know, soccer is, I, I get, people say like, like, Paying attention like football is like your safe space. Obviously, for me, I also think like you're not necessarily entitled to that. So if there's like Mm -hmm. larger cultural things going on, you need to pay attention to those as well, because we do tend to try to isolate sports from other things that are important. But without going on that rant, I was just like, please let Chelsea just be like a reprieve this week. (laughs) I really need it. And they did not. In either game, they decided to just torture me. So, yeah, it's, it's been an emotionally... Uh, and and just physically exhausting time, but I'm all right. Yeah, we mentioned there about why it's been so emotionally exhausting, and we do have two games to review. Uh, the first of that being the Wolfsburg game. And remember, when we talked about this last week with our with our predictions. <laughs> uh, well, you went for two 0 I think, and I said two one because I, I thought that they would score. And oh my god, like. <laughs> just crazy 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 game you know we we started off really well we'd score through Sam Kerr and that in itself should be a whole segment of the podcast because of what <laughs> a goal the chip the audacity the the like the balls to just loop that over and and not even like no shame no shame at all that and I so thought pretty. you know what it was so yeah pretty. it was just it was visually it's just stunning and I thought you know what this could be good this could be a good start first match week of the Champions League this season uh against Wolfsburg obviously who else uh we've got an early goal and then one nil up and it goes 2-1 in a, in the matter of a few minutes what yeah <laughs> I I was so <laughs> I was just standing I was just sitting there watching the match and just shaking my head with like my mouth open because it's just like <laughs> Chelsea is dominating this match Yet they're doing silly things at the back and allowing Wolfsburg to score. And people are like, oh, yeah, that was a that was a really uh, silly error. But Wolfsburg had to do a lot to score. I'm like, no, they didn't. <laughs> they, yeah. they didn't. They basically were gifted plenty of chances. And not even from like, you know, it wasn't like good pressing or anything. It was just uh, the the back line being just disjointed and weird. It's just like, stop. <laughs> You're going to win this game comfortably if you just don't gift them goals. Mm-hmm. And they gifted them three goals. The thing is, if we look at the formation, um, you know, it was very similar to what would be a st- one of our strongest starting 11s, aside yeah. from the fact that Fran Kirby wasn't playing. She came off from the bench. So it wasn't like we'd had a whole squad rotation. 
Fran Kirby coming off the bench was shocking to me. I think they mentioned that she had a cold, uh, I believe, and they were just being cautious with her. But that was very uh, shocking to not see her in the lineup for Wolfsburg. Yeah, and I think probably the reason why they were cautious is because of the flurry of games we have coming up. So we'll discuss Leicester in a bit. We've got Juventus in two days. So I'm guessing they just wanted to be a bit cautious. But aside from that, it wasn't like there were wholesale changes that might have caused some kind of panic. Like defensively, if we think about the Leicester game, and it was obviously, you know, a whole different, almost a lot of different changes. So it wasn't even like, okay, it makes sense because it's not a striking 11. It was one of our strongest starting 11s. And the mistakes came from experienced players. I think Ericsson was involved in the, I think it was the the goal that made it 1-1, where mm. she was in a mix-up with uh, with Berger and you know there was an empty net to score in. So it was experienced players and a very strong starting line and our usual formation. So I, I'm really trying to understand and maybe you can help us understand what went wrong. Oh, I cannot help you understand <laughs> what went wrong in that at all. I was just as shocked as anyone else because it was so frustrating. Like, not only is this Wolfsburg at home and you just kind of, you know, got over beating them in the Champions League just a few months ago, you know, last season, you get the early goal from Sam Kerr and it's really nice and you're dominating possession. You're looking very dangerous. You're being able to move the ball and attack them on the right through the middle on the left. doesn't really matter. Like the team played very, very well and just gave up goals. Like the one thing you can't do is just give up cheap goals. And they gave up cheap goals through their own defensive lapses. And it was just such a confusing and infuriating thing because you could see every single goal. Wolfsburg knew they had no right to be in that match. They could tell you could tell on the players like they knew like Chelsea is very strong right now. They are dominating play. They uh, Wolfsburg didn't really have the ability to either link up or the players to show that individual brilliance. Chelsea was handling them quite well. And I was impressed. I was really happy with the way the game was going until (laughs) and I have no idea what was going on. The only the only real thing I can really note and say is just that it's just different with a three, you know, a, a three person back line. Um, sometimes the communication isn't it, it's, isn't the same as it would be in a normal, you know, back back four. So you do get in different you do get put in different scenarios. But like like you said, that, that one with like Erickson and, and Berger, they've been communicating in a back line for years. There's really no reason for that kind of mix up like either boot the ball out or, you know, Berger has to call it and say, I got it. That's my ball. And instead they just kind of almost collide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the ball rolls b- behind both of them. It's like comedy stuff. It was so infuriating. I think you made a really good point there about how um, like Wolfsburg weren't dominant. They didn't like, you know, we weren't hanging on by the edge. They didn't absolutely ruin us. They simply made the most of the chances that we gave them. Yeah. And I think that a lot of that, as you mentioned, was down to miscommunication. Like, for instance, the goal that we're talking about, um, it seemed as if Ericsson expected Berger to be much higher up to be able to clear that chance in a sort of sweeper position. Um, so there was that miscommunication. And then again, on the other flank, for them to make it 3-1, you had the same thing going on to sort of square the ball. And again, we were in the back and, and Berger came off too quickly. So they were really sharp to make the most of our mistakes. But again, as as you say, it, was, it wasn't like we were, it wasn't like Wolfsburg were sort of bringing the game to us or even dominating. They just made the most of the chances we gave them, which, which is pretty interesting. We really needed Fran Kirby to come on. And I think that made a lot of difference. It made a lot of difference having her on, but it also kind of brought out a bit more from our attacking players, especially harder, I think. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, but, but, you know, and that, that's kind of the thing. It was frustrating that that even needed to happen. I mean, given the way that Chelsea were playing, we never should have been in a position where we really needed Fran Kirby for this match. You know, maybe you bring her in to make sure she remains fit, you know, for the weekend or something and give her a few minutes. But, you know, looking to have her come on when she did to try to, like, <laughs> rescue the team who ended up going down because of just silly defensive errors, that, that's not a place you want to be in. And so we were basically chasing the game for so long, and it was such a frustrating thing to do. I was really happy that Beth England got a goal. Um, mm-hmm. I think that she has continued to be in in good form in the, in the rare times that she's called on. Seems like she's starting to be called on a bit more. Um, as you mentioned, we'll talk about the Leicester match. I was actually a little disappointed with how that went regarding her and her playing time, but um, it was good to see her get in, score a Champions League goal, um, it was really, really nice to see. And then, as you mentioned, Pernilla Harder. I, there's something going on with her this season, mm-hmm. and I'm really happy yeah. about it. I was waiting for you to bring that up because <laughs> we, you mentioned her quite a few times in the beginning of the season in the podcast. Yeah. We kept saying Harder is the one, or you kept saying Harder is the one we want to see step up. And she's doing some, – something's changed in the last few games, and she's she's doing that. She's scoring – you know, she scored – um, the goal in this Wolfsburg game that got us to equalise at the end. She scored again against Leicester. She's scoring consistently, even when like other players aren't there to to supplement and provide for her. She's becoming less reliant on other players and much more comfortable in the position that she's in down the flank side. I think we're finally, well, we might be seeing it coming towards her kind of peak peak level. I think it's quite interesting, exciting as well. Oh yes, and and we need it. That's that's been the other thing. She scored. She's already scored crucial goals for us in uh-huh. the span of one week, uh, and and we're gonna need her to continue to do that. And I just love the form that she's in. I wish that we could, you know, not rely on her to make like you know stoppage time score stoppage time goals so that we can mm-hmm. actually save points. And uh, but I've been really, really like this is what I was looking forward to. We know that Fran Kirby and Sam Kerr developed an outrageous partnership and that is still an unstoppable partnership and it's going to be unstoppable as long as those two are on the pitch but you also need for the sake of balance you need somebody else to be threatening in that attacking line and especially if you're if you're well I'll say this I'm going to rewind a little bit you need that if you have aspirations to win a lot of trophies mm-hmm. <laughs> you know if you if you just want to be a good team, a good team will have like a combination like Sam Kerr and Fran Kirby. Like that's an outrageous thing to have. It's amazing. Like you'll be a very good team if that's like the focal point of your attack. But Chelsea's aspirations are always win everything. Be ruthless. Go out there, score the goals and make sure nobody else uh, can top you, especially when it comes to these cup competitions. And in order to do that throughout the course of the season, you need to be unpredictable. And the only way to be un- unpredictable is to be unpredictable on both sides of the pitch. So you have to mm-hmm. making the defense cover the entire width of the pitch. And that's what they're struggling to do right now. And that's where Pernilla Harder is so important because she forces, she basically exploits all those gaps that are left by so much focus on Sam Kerr and Fran Kirby. And she is a dangerous player. I almost feel like people forgot how good Pernilla Harder is. And she is on a mission to remind them and I'm here for it. Absolutely. And I, I very much agree with what you said there. Just thinking, we've spoken a lot about things we did not like about the Wolfsburg game. And I thought I'd, I'd try to finish off this segment by saying some <laughs> things that we did enjoy. And one thing I enjoyed myself was um, the way that we were utilizing corners, uh, especially yeah. since um, in the second half, Kirby coming on and also Harder playing a bit further up. 
we're really using these outswinging corners to to isolate key players and also create ricochets in the box, which is how hard I got her equalising goal. But I think um, when we were previewing this game, I talked a lot about the crosses and how that's almost a weakness of Wolfsburg because they often their way of marking from set pieces is very specific to, to areas. There's a lot more zonal marking and, and that actually worked in our favour to get hard of that goal. I, I like to think that that was something that Emma Hayes highlighted and, and actually implemented for this game. So that's one thing I really enjoyed. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think I probably already gave mine away. Uh, I could probably just say Pernilla Harder was my favorite. But, but I think mm-hmm. ultimately, <laughs> and this is going to sound stupid because of how the match went. It was 3-3 at home. We, we needed a stoppage time goal in order to collect that point too. It was very dramatic. But honestly, I love the way every line except the defensive line <laughs> uh, in those moments that led to goals, I love the way they played. Um, they're getting more comfortable in their 3-4-3. They're being able to pull teams around and move them around and find spaces to exploit. I thought the combination of of loopholes and G was actually really, really good. Um, that hasn't always been the strongest midfield combination. We've talked about that pairing before, um, and sometimes it has it does get it does leave a little bit too much space sometimes, uh, and it is a little concerning. Uh, we've seen it. We've seen. It, I bef- believe. Give me one second to look this up before I say something stupid. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So that that was the um, sorry if it, it, pandemic time. It felt like nine years ago, but it was it was just a month or ch- and some change ago. Uh, but that was the midfield pairing against Arsenal, and even though it ended up only losing three two, we know how that game felt, and that was a little bit different. It was like, is this the formation? Is it shaky? Is this the right personnel in there? It doesn't seem like it. Really felt like we needed a DM like Sophie Engel to be in there rather than G. So. Um, I like the fact that loopholes and G look so good and so dangerous. We were able to keep the ball for a, the major, the vast majority of possession. I thought we were we were great in the match. We just unfortunately the score line doesn't show it, and mm-hmm. it looks like Wolfsburg came in there and and scored three goals on us when that's not really what happened. We basically gifted them three goals and then had to fight back. But I guess that's why we do these podcasts. So hopefully people listening will understand that it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a one-sided thing that the narrative isn't that Chelsea are crumbling or that they are failing as a team but actually that there are certain areas in this team that still have a long way to go and, and unfortunately not only did we see that against uh, Wolfsburg but coming into the game we played yesterday against Leicester you know that game was really meant to be or at least I felt and I'm sure a lot of Chelsea fans feel that game was meant to be like a rebound Kind of like, you know, we had that chaotic Champions League game. It was crazy. We need a last minute goal, but let's take a breath, get away from that and back to <laughs> WSL where, as you mentioned, we did lose to Arsenal early on, but we're doing much better since. But actually, it, you know, although we did win 2-0, that doesn't really reflect, as as you could say, the Wolfsburg game. It doesn't really reflect how the actual game was. No, not at all. And... Before we get into that, we just we 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 got to note that there were eight changes. Really, there were seven significant uh-huh. ones because Fran Kirby was, as we mentioned, Fran Kirby was on the bench uh, for Wolfsburg, uh, but was in the starting lineup for Leicester. So that was the eighth change. But there were seven other changes. And Nguyen got into the match. I was been wanting to see her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she kind of played that sweeper role in the middle of the back three. Sophie Engel and Drew Spence were in. 
Yana Anderson was in, Jess Fleming was in, Beth England was in, Neve Charles was in. Don't look at the lineup graphic, by the way, on e- on Google if you just <laughs> type it in. It is so wrong. It's super wrong. I don't know who's putting these things together, but it's very wrong. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was one of those matches where you understand it's top of the table versus bottom of the table. You should be able to make rotation you should be able to get some players some experience get them in the match get them familiar with the formation and playing together you expect it to be bumpy a little bit but did we expect it to be that bumpy yeah that that's the thing i think the reason why it appeared that bumpy for me was because we had a lot of chances to to add to 2-0 we had a lot of chances to make it comfortable for us in the first half and i i did feel like we weren't being clinical enough and also, I guess it doesn't help that their keeper, so that's Kirstie Lavelle, she had an absolutely amazing game. Like, she was stopping it with her face, her nose, her, her hands, her legs. A lot that's of chances. That's the MCR header that went off her face. I was like, what? How? Like, just, Props just to her how? For, for taking that, but, like, how is she standing up after that? That looked brutal. But, but even aside from that, and we saw in the two goals, the spaces were there, quite open to counter-attack against Leicester. Their, their midfield um, wasn't sort of strong enough to stop our, our front three from transitioning into attack quite seamlessly. And yet, as you say, it's still 2-0. And one of those goals came in the 92nd or 3rd minute from Harder. So it really was 1-0 up until that moment of the game. Yeah, it was uh, it was Pernilla Harder scoring in I believe the eighty third minute, and then Fran oh, Kirby in like the final minute of stoppage time had a goal, um, which was another another Kirby link up. Sam Kerr header flick on mm-hmm. to uh, to Fran Kirby, so that was great to see. I mean the the end just just kind of like the Wolfsburg match. You look at the final score and you're thinking, oh, you kind of maybe think you know how the match went. Same mm-hmm. thing in this one. You look at 2-0 and you're thinking, oh, yeah, that must have been comfortable for Chelsea. You look at, you know, who was in the starting 11 and you're like, oh, yeah, they probably, you know, scored once, you know, either in the first half, scored in scored in both halves, or maybe, maybe you know, Leicester pulled out some great defensive work and Chelsea got two in the second half, you know, one early. They were never really under threat, but no, I was actually concerned. I was really concerned that match was going to either end nil-nil or we were going to mess around and like, and and have some defensive calamity which would not have been unfamiliar given what we just talked about in the Wolfsburg match I was like if that ends up happening and we go down then I'm really terrified so like all these all these visions and permutations (laughs) were happening in my brain and I was just like stressing out because there's no way we cannot we can't afford to not pick up three points from this fixture yeah, and I was going to ask you, how much of that do you think was up to the squad rotation and 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 perhaps the midfield in, in particular? Because I think um, there was quite a bit of reshuffling going on. You mentioned Spence and Charles in there as well, playing down that that other flank. So how much do you think was it sort of almost like it wasn't seamless enough in terms of transition from midfield to attack, where we normally have G up to Kirby and Kerr? Do you think that it's possible that the formation threw us off a little bit with those new players or... Do you think there's anything else to pick up in terms of concern? Um, I I think the problem is that it's very difficult to play against teams that are going to basically say, you're going to have to try very hard to break us down. If mm-hmm. you don't get an early goal, those kind of things like energize the other team to really, really go for it. Like the, Like that's why... We see so many what we think are like just brilliant, you know, goalkeeping performances against Chelsea from like lower, you know, half of the table teams, because if they set up to defend and it starts to work, 
the players and everybody else starts to feel a little bit like it's just a matter of inches, right? Like they start to feel like mm-hmm. they can make sure they're in the way of every shot. They love like it's almost like it start you start feeding on it, right? You're like you're frustrating this big giant team, right? You you have this really great kind of like camaraderie and team feel about what's going on and what you're accomplishing as a team. Yeah. And you're just out there like, all right, you know, everybody is is super alert, super focused, and it's very difficult to break those teams down. And I won't necessarily say that Lester did like a complete, like just pack everybody in the box, but they weren't taking many chances up pitch as well. You know, they did try to hit the ball in the channels, I do think that we actually covered that well, which has been a bit of a concern uh, for me. I wanted to see how we were going to end up covering that when we did face a team that would do this to us. I think we covered them well. They had zero shots on target. They only had four shots overall. So I was really pleased to see that. um, And and obviously, you know, Lester's new to to the WSL. So it's not like, you know, you shut down a team that has like proven WSL attackers and can really get at you. But still, it was good to see that that Chelsea kept any potential danger they snuffed it out very quickly but yeah it's just it's just figuring out how to how to attack teams like that because the whole thing with the way that Chelsea plays is that they want to get you panicking want to get you moving so whether that's moving to one side and then quickly switching or whether that's playing through you through the midfield or whether that's you know drawing you in and and then hitting over you through the press or however we do it Chelsea loves to be able to react once the defense takes a does something, steps up, makes a mistake, a player gets out of position. When nobody's moving in your opposition and they're mm-hmm. just kind of standing there in front of goal, it's very hard to do something about that. And I think we're going to continue to see a struggle like that until we figure out kind of how to play against that. I don't think crosses are the best measure against teams like this. I think you really have to try, whether it's long-range shots, to, to hopefully you get somebody to step up and then you play a simple through ball behind them. you got to do something to try to force them to commit and just do do like one thing that's going to give you that chance. And we never really kind of did that. Yeah, I agree. And I think maybe we saw an inkling of it in Kirby's goal. That was obviously a super, super late goal. But it was the ball in behind, the run that she made. Um, and I think that was a moment of individual brilliance rather than a sort of tactical move. The runs that she makes where she's not able to be picked up by other defenders. I think we saw that then. Uh, there's like, you know, the the best way to beat teams like that is to do those balls in behind. Um, and there was one in the Wolfsburg game um, when Sam Kerr scored. It was G's ball over the top um, that worked for us quite well. And I think maybe it's not so much just lumping the ball up front and hoping that a really tall striker gets their head on it, whatever. It's not that kind of strategy. It's more about feeding off the press that the opposition team uses and finding the gaps in spaces where you can make those runs and beat the offside um, that I think maybe is a way of of really investing in in working against her because it obviously worked for us today in a few accounts and I think that um, Kerr had a moment where she should have scored as she had a run in behind as well so yeah. I think perhaps that's that's a way to look at it but you mentioned there about our defence and about how quite strong and compact we were and it was a defence had been moved around a little and we did see a new start in Annie Knowing and there was infographic that I shared with you and I'll, I guess we'll tweet it or you know, add it to the podcast tweet and it was a touch map, and she has all these dots in this touch map right against the um, sort of clustered around the central area. You know, she was playing in the middle of Ericsson and Bright, but also in the flank areas, and it shows how, how she was bunching out and really helping out the midfield. 
Yeah, I really like how this is happening with these with this middle with this back three. Is you'll see sometimes a lot of rotation. So every now and then, you know, even even when Jess Carter's in there, I'm like, wait, did they just switch? Did they just yeah. switch places? Is Jess Carter now playing, you know, the right side of center back? But no, they'll like completely do this turn <laughs> where the whole it's like the whole unit just kind of shifts, and Millie Bright is playing up really high, and Jess Carter's kind of back in like a right. Uh, center back area and you have Magda Erickson uh, basically is playing the sweeper role temporarily and then you may have like either the left-sided center back or you'll have the midfielder like a defensive midfielder like Sophie Engel protecting the other space for the switch so you see so many like very so much variation in that and I love it I think it's so clever to do to kind of have that flexibility to move around and I was really really impressed with Nguyen's uh, ability to pass I knew that her passing range was very good I knew that she was very comfortable on the ball. You know, we talked about that once we uh, we discussed her coming into the team and where she fits in a previous podcast. And I I know that there's this thing in the same, and I'm going to talk about Jess Fleming a bit later, but it's a similar thing with Jess Fleming and Nguyen here is that you're looking at players who are young, yes, but they're also really talented. And I kind of get a little annoyed when it's like, well, we got to ease them in and we got to figure out, you know, give them yeah. like little nibbles of play and make sure, see how they do. And then and then hide them a little bit and keep them in training just to make sure they're fine. And I'm like, honestly, I really believe these players are ready, like, especially these two. Like Jess Fleming has been playing on that on, on, on her, the Canadian national team, which just won a gold medal since she was a teenager. Same thing with Nguyen. Like, they, like these players have been playing alongside really good players on really good teams, whether it's their, for their country or not, I think they're ready. And I just want to see them trusted a bit more. And I love that they got time, but I want to see more. And I think she was so confident as well. Like often you yeah. see, especially playing alongside, and we discussed this last season, playing alongside either Ericsson or, or Millie Bright, it's quite difficult for players to do because the relationship isn't the same, but her communication was on point. She was confident enough to play out. And and as you say, it would be really nice to see her um, play a bit more in that position a lot more frequently. It's not like Emma Hayes hasn't done that before. I mean, she played Neem Charles in the Champions League final. I mean, I guess that was like because there were certain reasons why, you know, we didn't have certain players, but she played Neem Charles in the final and she also played her, I think it was the semifinals. Uh, and again, Neem Charles is a player who's played for the Liverpool women's team and she's got her experience there. So Emma Hayes isn't afraid to make those moves when she needs to, but actually we need to see her doing more of that um, in the other times, the times where we can actually explore uh, what kind of player this this person is and also how they fit into this formation because there may be a time down the line where you're going to need her. You're going to need no one to play in a particular position and if she has all these games and experience on the back of it, then that will be really good for us and even better, really. Yeah, I think there's there's certainly a balance to it, right? Like you, we have a great 11 and it's going to be very difficult for any one of these players, particularly a young player, to come in and take somebody's role. But I do think that we've been kind of mixing and matching things in midfield. And, you know, it's been Sophie in combination of Sophie Engel, G, Melanie Loopholes, kind of, and we've kind of, you know, she kind of chooses which two based on the opposition. Put Jess Fleming in that rotation. Like, I, I, I believe she's earned it. And, I, and obviously we're not at training, but this is the kind of thing that we've been waiting to see for her. And same thing with the back line. You know, Jess Carter has been there. She's made some mistakes. Um, she had a really poor game in the last league game, not Leicester, but the game before that. And it was it was just like 
you were really hoping to to find some sort of solid play, a solid back line. And now that you need another center back, you you got one. So let's see how, you know, Nguyen plays in that role because it's a possibility. So not only do we, obviously you want to have your strongest 11, but giving these players, like you said, that experience means that not only when, because you, because it's hard to only call on them when you need them, right? That's what I'm saying. You want them they to be prepared to... before uh-huh. that. Yeah. Because it, you don't want to like, for example, you don't want to throw in someone in like, if you need to in a semi-final of the Champions League or a final, not knowing how they'll be able to deal with the players of a certain caliber or a certain level. Yeah. Um, and I think that maybe that's one of Emma Hayes' weakness. We saw her do it for the longest time with G and, and you know, yeah. she finally came around to, to sort of being a bit more flexible. And I think, um, yeah, she does stick with Bright and Ericsson as her two sort of favorite defenders and they'll always play but she has a chance to really explore outside of that you know we saw last season what happens when one of them gets injured whoever comes in as backup needs to be up to that level as well and they're going to need game time because our our schedule for the next few weeks and few months even is not going to be kind yeah that's very true and there's international break mixed in there too so it's just going to be a lot for the players but one thing I wanted to make sure I gave a shout out to is Jess Fleming I know I just talked about her a little bit (laughs) But I want to talk about it a little more because this is what has like, it's almost like uh, I, I know, and I wonder how this feels from, you know, your your side of the pond, as people say, very cliche. And I hate <laughs> it when people say that. So I don't know why I just did it. Um, where Jess Fleming almost seems like a fun player, like just somebody that everybody over here wants to root for. But it's like, yes, there's that. She's really cool. We watched her a lot, you know, at, at UCLA, one of the top soccer programs here in the, in, mm-hmm. uh, the collegiate level. Uh, we watched her a lot here. We saw how uh, she's been playing for Canada for years. So, like, it's like her. She has this very unique ability, in my mind, for, for, for a mid- midfielder, where she kind of can shape shift from, like, midfield terrier to ghost in like a second, because <laughs> if you watch that Pernilla Harder goal, the one that that finally gave us the lead over Wolfsburg, not Wolfsburg, Leicester, you, and I love that Chelsea, when they posted the clip, posted the whole thing. It wasn't just the assist and the goal. They posted the whole kind of passing buildup because you see Fleming move from kind of more of a central position. She receives the ball and plays it off. And then she sees a Leicester player step up and kind of chase the ball a bit. This is kind of what I meant by you have to kind of tease opposition like that and force them to move. And then you move into the space. That's exactly what she did. When she saw her step up, she just ghosted in behind her. And then she was out wide with no one. And then and she made herself available to receive that pass. And when she received it, that's when Leicester had to hit the panic button. Finally, they were only within like what, uh, maybe like 22 yards or something of their own goal. But even in that short kind of condensed space, her movement made them all have to turn and panic. And that's what created that space where she could just slide the ball across to Pernilla Harder. She's so, so clever. And she does stuff like that all the time. And there's a there are some great breakdowns of her play where she's just either in midfield being a little bit of a, you know, a, a mod reading play, getting in the way of passing lanes, you know, discouraging players from from being able to move the ball where they want to move the ball. She's very, very intelligent. But then she can also just disappear and pop up someplace that, where she's going to help construct a goal. This was a great performance. And I love that Emma Hayes singled mm-hmm. her out before saying, like, I didn't like that match. It was terrible. She was like, before I get to that, <laughs> I want to I want to I want to make sure that I mention how good Jess Fleming was. And I and I love that she did that because this is what we've been waiting to see in a Chelsea shirt. 
Yeah, and, and I really do hope that that praise reflects her being in a couple of match squads in the next few weeks, especially because yes. we do have your Juventus as our second match day, second Champions League match day in two days. And then after that, we've got a, another WSL game this weekend. So there's a lot of games coming up and there's a lot of opportunity to rotate the squad. And I do hope that Emma Hayes experiments with her as much as she's, she's doing with the rest of the squad, because I think it's a perfect opportunity, really, especially in these early stages when you don't have to worry too much. When it gets down to the kind of stage of the Champions League and other cups where you have to have your best players, you're not going to get the chance to experiment. And I think she needs to think about that now. So I have a question for you, and it's mm-hmm. and it's it's going to be a leading question okay. <laughs> because I already kind of have an answer, and I'm sorry, um, but. I think one of the well, I don't, I don't know if it's a question. It's more of a. Uh, I want to gauge your reaction to what I'm about to say. Um, I think my concern right now with this team is that Emma Hayes cannot trust making wholesale changes to the lineup, and that's a problem. I think mm. we are in a lot of competitions. We are going to be in a lot of competitions deep in those competitions as well. We have to collect three points. Arsenal are in great form if we want to make sure that we're within striking distance of them uh, to be able to reclaim and defend you know, the league title. We have to make sure that we're right there with them so that when we play them again, we can either leapfrog them by beating them or pull them back down uh, by having them drop points. Like there are, there are, Or we have to wait and hope that they slip up against somebody else. But they look like they are a very good team. They kind of took Manchester City's place from the last couple of years and have rebuilt, rebuilt themselves and Manchester City are struggling which means that we need to make sure that we get three points. And I feel that it's concerning that even though you made a lot of changes versus Leicester City, that's a team that's brand new to the WSL. Your second team, given the depth of talent at Chelsea, no disrespect to Leicester, but Chelsea's second team should have been able to handle that match, been able to give rest to a lot of the players because, like you said, they do have quick turnarounds. You know, we have, you know, Juventus in the Champions League. There's an international break. Then we come back and we play Manchester City in the FA Cup uh, semifinal from last year. Um, We get back into league play. We get back in a group stage play. We have Manchester City again in the league, you know, mid-November. So, like, things are happening very, very quickly. And we do need to be able to rely on not our strongest lineup to be able to get results. And I think that, you know, we, we talked about it last season when we lost to Brighton. You know, Emma Hayes made a lot of changes and we ended up losing that match. She made a lot of changes. And this match was, I mean, hearts were in throats until the 83rd minute. And that just can't, that, that can't be the way forward, I don't think. I think that's why it's so important for us to, to really make sure the players that we are picking outside the squads are embedded. Like, you can't just like, you know, have, have a squad rotation and, and throw on players just because they're not in the first team and expect them to do well. They need time to gel together. They need time to get used to new formations or even playing with each other in different roles. And I think that you're right. That is definitely a concern. I definitely agree with you. Um, in both the games against Leicester and, and Wolfsburg, Fran Kirby had to come on to make a difference in the game. Um, you know, she got the the second goal against Leicester and she really made a difference coming on in the second half against Wolfsburg. And I think you're right, we can't rely on big players like that. Um, we have to see more of the other players. Like Beth England has been playing quite a lot. And as you mentioned, she's played pretty well. She's scoring goals again. She's in good form. Um, but when it comes to the midfield and defence, there's still a lot of shuffling going on without giving the players enough time to to 
be confident enough to even play in those positions. And I think we might have discussed that last season as well. So it's clearly a recurring theme with Emma Hayes. Um, you know, there's players she trusts and there's players that she'll put on if she needs them to be present for a certain game. But there's no point saying that they didn't play well enough if it's a wholesale change and you're not really sure about what you need to do as players who are there every single match week. So it's it's an issue definitely for sure and I think we just have to see how it pans out across the season and whether she sticks to those players and gives them the time that they need to be more possessive and confident in those roles. Yeah you know you and and real quick before we move on I wanted to mention you you mentioned Beth England and against Leicester I was actually very very disappointed that Emma Hayes took her off um, at halftime. I thought that was really really harsh I think you keep her on uh, you let her get a goal she just scored against Wolfsburg you do need to make sure that you know, Sam Kerr and some of the other players that you, I mean, you rotated for a reason. So you want to make sure that those players are able to get rest. And I think that Bethany England didn't have a lot of service. I think that, you know, Chelsea's plan of attack was obviously going to be disjointed given all the changes. Um, And a lot of these players being their first time out in like league action in a new formation, you know, you expected things to, to take a little while. And I think that it was more of a, you know, it seemed like more of a frustration to say, okay, fine, you know, you guys couldn't do it. So I'm going to go ahead and put in, you know, all all the players, like I'm going to go back to my preferred 11, where I think that changing things tactically a little bit and perhaps giving Beth England a bit more time, you know, maybe if you change a couple players around, um, I don't know if you want to switch, you know, change the wingbacks a little bit to somebody who knows how to, like, I just wouldn't have made a switch that big. It seemed like taking, putting on Sam Kerr almost sent a message like, you know, uh, if we're going to get a goal in this game, we need we need Sam Kerr on the pitch where I don't know if that's necessarily true against Leicester. So I felt a mm-hmm. little bad for Beth England being pulled at halftime. I thought that was a little unfair given how she'd been playing uh, or how she's been playing this season. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I think she's doing a lot better. I wonder how long she'll, she'll put up with being in that role considering the, the caliber of striker she is and how well she was doing when she had that relationship with Kirby before Kerr came. Kerr's arrival obviously meant, and we discussed this at great length, it meant that one of them would not make it, one of them would always sit out, and that was Beth. So um, it'll be interesting to see her development this season, but I think she will be needed because, as I keep saying, the, the schedule and the fixture list is not kind. Uh, we've got loads of Champions League games coming up with Juventus next and uh, plenty of WSL games with, with things at the top of the league a lot more competitive I think in at this stage of the season than it's been for a while so there's a lot coming up and I just hope that we can cement some of our outlying players into the team because we are going to need them this season. Yeah one little note Sam Kerr's contract with Chelsea ends at the end of this season so I don't know if Beth England is kind of waiting for that I have no inside information on what Sam Kerr might do but Sam Kerr usually doesn't mind she, she's kind of a nomadic striker she'll play wherever and so I would not be surprised if she doesn't stick uh, with Chelsea and sign an extension of some sort so who knows now that I said that they'll probably announce it tomorrow but <laughs> you know fine I, I still think that's a thing that's out there and it's possibly a thing where Bethany England is seeing and saying you know what it, it's kind of it, it'll be her time soon she's kind of always been there you know that she had that brilliant season that was cut short by the pandemic uh, but you know, she's always kind of been so loyal and so good for Chelsea. It would be nice to see her have an opportunity to be that main striker. So yeah, we'll see there. Things are definitely going to be very interesting. I think we saw a lot of movement in the off season, uh, this time. And I think we're going to see even more next off season, particularly because who knows what the hell's going on with the NWSL. Yeah. You, um, 
you made a really good point there. So on the back of that positive note, I'm going to ask you now for for you to join in your favorite part of, of each episode, and that Ugh. is predictions. I hope you had time microphone. to think because you are going first. I go first every week. You have to you have to go first sometimes. So we're predicting just the Juventus match, right? We're we're not going to look ahead to the FA Cup uh, semifinal with Manchester United. Uh, I feel like that could do. Or Manchester own, City. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's own little pod episode. I think we can go into real detail and depth and i'll spare you the misery of having to predict both of those games <laughs> i appreciate it you are you are benevolent benevolent I and i and i am, I am very kind and generous <laughs> you are you are thank <laughs> you so much uh juventus it's almost not to liken these two teams and how they are just in terms of access to the league and being able to to tell how good the leagues actually are i think we've seen that la liga is a good league it's just that barcelona is outrageous and on another level is that the same thing that's going on uh, in Italy? I don't know. So I know Juventus is good. Um, I don't want to underestimate them at all. Uh, we just saw the match against Leicester. So you know that a team that may not be as talented as Chelsea can frustrate Chelsea. So um, yeah, I'm stalling, clearly. Uh, let's let's go with 3-1. I'm glad you said 3-1 because... I know that both of us are looking at our notes right now and I wrote 2-1 in there and I'm sticking with 2-1 because I really thought that um, that would be the result against Horsburg. So I'm I'm saying it again because I'm trying to... <laughs> You're going to keep predicting it until it happens. I'm trying to... Not even just that. I'm trying to spiritually like manifest a, a game that's not so crazy and chaotic. And, and maybe, yeah, maybe they might score a goal because the teams that we are facing in the Champions League season are good teams, but we'll still get by. And I think that's a good way of thinking about it. It's almost like reverse black magic. What's like, what's reverse? Oh, I mean, no. I mean, like praying. <laughs> I was thinking, what's okay. reverse black magic? <laughs> oh my God, what am I doing to myself? You conditioned me. Yeah. I mean, uh, just, yeah. just hoping that, that we just see, you know, I'll be happy with anything that's not like the performance we saw against Wolfsburg not even like we say not even because it was a bad performance it was just it was crazy and I just want to see a bit more stability and calmness you know a calm game one that doesn't make me all balled up on the sofa and and think about my life as a 22 year old so I will be <laughs> yes, happy my my heart needs a comfortable Chelsea win <laughs> that's what I would like my heart and just my general like uh exhaustion levels I would just enjoy a pleasant 3-0 win. I went for 3-1 because I, I'm kind of like, I know that I'm not likely to get what I want. So I think there's going to be, there's always a little bit of something in there with this team. They're always going to do something interesting to kind of, you know, make you either scratch your head or be like, oh, come on. So that's why my prediction is 3-1, but I am hoping so much. And and both praying and doing whatever dark magic you were talking about, that we get a comfortable Chelsea win. I need one. Cut to next Monday. <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> I'm kidding. No, we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't oh, jinx or curse it. We both we really wanna... shouldn't, but I think I just did anyway. Well, we both want a good game, and I think that it will be a lot more conservative and... I think that brings us to the end of the episode, unless, Andre, you have anything else to add? Um, the only thing is, you know, I, we, we've grown in this formation. I think things are going fairly well. I think cutting out the silly mistakes makes things better. It would just be nice to, we, we have to control matches now. Like, that's kind of always the uh -huh. next step is how do you control a match? Um, and we, as weird as it sounds, I still feel like we controlled the match against Wolfsburg very well until we gave them goals. So 
Like I'm, I'm waiting for that. That's like the next step for this team. Can they control a match like they used to uh, and be dominant? I hope that they can. I think that they can. I would like to see it. Well, we can only hope and pray and, you know, do whatever we need to do to make that happen. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening this week, guys. It's it's really has been a hectic period of games, hectic period of work for us both, hectic period of recording podcasts very late at night, at least for me, or after work. But we do appreciate every like and every share and, and just even commenting and, and listening to us, whether that's on Apple, Google, Stitch, the dark web, wherever you find us, we will appreciate it. And we can assure you, as always, that Fran is loving all this content. You might have seen her all the goals she's scoring and that definitely does benefit from all the attention so keep it coming we'll keep the episodes coming the reviews coming and hopefully see you next week on the other side of a of a win i know i said that or i think you might have said that last week in your intro but let's try it again and hope for a better result please chelsea i'm begging